This is Dr. Mike Green, Senior Vice President for Asia and Japan Chair at CSIS. Bonnie Glazer, who started the China Power Project and podcast at CSIS, has moved to an exciting new position at the German Marshall Fund, where she'll be running the Asia programs. And to recognize her work and prepare for our transition to a new director, we will be announcing that shortly, we're very pleased to have the best of the China Power podcasts for this episode. We're airing these to thank Bonnie and stay tuned because in a couple weeks we'll have a new director, some exciting new directions in how we do China Power and how we think about measuring and analyzing different aspects of China's power and China's role in the world. I'm Bonnie Glazer, Director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. In this episode of the China Power podcast, we're discussing China's plans to develop a national digital currency. Many of the world's major economies are considering the use of central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs. While cryptocurrencies are privately run and unattached to central government policy, like Facebook's Libra or Bitcoin, CBDCs are traditional money in a digitized form, issued and governed by a country's central bank. CBDCs are an attractive prospect for a number of reasons, one being that they can dramatically increase the efficiency of payment systems and stimulate economic growth. Beijing views digital currency in the underlying technology blockchain as a means to build strategic technological advantage and lead the world in science and innovation. To that end, China has established itself as a leader in the global CBDC race, rolling out a major pilot test of a new digital renminbi, known simply as digital currency electronic payment. And this plan has been rolled out in four major cities in April 2020. To discuss China's efforts to develop its own national digital currency and how this is shaping the future of money, I'm joined by Dr. Kevin D'Souza. Dr. D'Souza is a professor of business technology and strategy in the School of Management at the Queensland University of Technology Business School. He's also a non-resident senior fellow in the Governance Studies Program at the Brookings Institution and a distinguished research fellow at the China Institute for Urban Governance at Shanghai Jiao Tong University. Thanks for joining us today, Kevin. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So why is it that China is eager to develop a national digital currency? So China has been a leader in the emerging technology space. And so if you trace their activities around artificial intelligence, blockchain, and associated autonomous technologies. China has far surpassed other nations in terms of the range of activities and the amount of investment. And so the efforts they are undertaking with the national digital currency is another initiative in that space. And so China has already developed a pretty sophisticated blockchain approach at the national government level and the digital currency is just another layer on top of that effort to advance their position in the emerging technology space. So 
Will the first country to have a national digital currency have advantage over others? Is this is this what's driving China? I think absolutely, yes. China has far recognized that whoever dominates the next generation of emerging technologies, including blockchain, quantum computing, so on and so forth, is going to play the role of a leader from an economic perspective. And given their sheer amount of activity, they see the adoption and the scaling of the national digital currency as a key initiative that will help them show the world that they are capable of rolling out the next generation technologies at scale. So can you help us to understand what a digital currency really is, a national digital currency? What does it enable countries to do? What are the pros and cons of having a national digital currency? if you compare them to the other kind of digital currencies like Bitcoin? Yep, absolutely. So national digital currency, to be extremely clear, it is like a regular currency that any central bank issues. However, it operates in the digital space. And so you don't have the traditional downsides of cryptocurrency where it is not legally accepted, so on and so forth. Plus. With most cryptocurrencies, you have a high amount of fluctuation in its value. However, with a national digital currency, you do have that layer of governmental legitimacy. And number two is given that it doesn't fluctuate in value as much compared to things like Bitcoin, you are going to see a greater acceptance of these currencies. Number three from the government perspective, these are traceable, meaning they help governments deal with some of the ills of regular currency, including money laundering. They obviously reduce the issuance and the circulation costs associated with physical currency. And finally, in the case of China, given the role that the central government plays, As it rolls it out, the currency is legally binding, meaning that organizations and individuals in China have to use it. So those are the five major pros. In terms of the cons, I think the one major one that is not particular to digital currency, but it's broader to any of the Chinese activity around technology and data, is how is that data going to be used? Because how is transaction data generated on these digital currencies? How are they going to be used? How are issues of privacy going to be managed? So the traditional issues associated with data and technology in China do play a role here. And we basically do not have answers to these questions. So do we know exactly how the Chinese government is going to run this digital currency system? Do we know what entities are going to be responsible for different aspects of the implementation of the program? Yes, so we do have a high-level plan in, in terms of how this is going to be operated. And the way to think about it is it's a basically a two-layer system. 
at the lowest layer or the foundational layer, you will have the People's Bank of China who will run the operations and issue the digital currency to various commercial operating agencies. These agencies represent the traditional state-owned financial institutions and also the large technology companies like Alibaba and so on. And so these organizations will then interface with the consumers and these organizations will actually develop the necessary apps and protocols in terms of how to distribute digital currencies to their consumers. So that's the initial plan. And China is going to use blockchain technology in doing this. Can you explain how that will take place? So this is where the details are not as clear. I mean, we know that they are going to use blockchain technology. I mean, we did a project a few years ago where where we looked at how blockchain was used to transform the philanthropic areas in China. And we were able to see pretty highly advanced use of blockchain to completely disrupt the business models. And so we know that the underlining technology that China is going to use is blockchain. But in terms of how heavily is the digital currency going to rely on blockchain technology, that is a bit unclear at the present time. And China's just rolled out this pilot program in four major cities. How long do you expect that this pilot will run before China learns enough and feels confident enough to actually roll out a national digital currency? That's a hard question, but there are two things playing out here. One is, in terms of the pilot projects, I would expect at the minimum about half a year of activity to learn anything of significance, just given the rate of adoption, given the amount of transactions, given how controlled these experiments are going to be. So just given those variables, you would expect half a year. But we are also dealing with the current pandemic. And so given how heavily dependent China is already on using digital apps for all kinds of payment transactions anyway, where the average resident in China does not really interface with notes and coins anyway. And given the pandemic, this might get accelerated rather quickly, or it might take about a year. And so that's that's the thing we just don't know with these experiments right now is, are they going to ramp it up or are they going to put things slightly on hold? So I understand that there are some other countries that are considering developing national digital currencies. Some of them are very small economies like the Bahamas and Barbados, somewhat larger, of course, Turkey being an example. Are there any of the major economies that are considering doing this? Is this something that uh, might become more popular in the coming, say, five to 10 years? And how do you think China's plan is going to differ from others, given that obviously China is the second largest economy in the world? Absolutely. We have been tracking the amount of activity happening in terms of the national digital currency efforts around the world. And one of the things we are seeing is there's quite a 
bit of interest in Europe around digital currencies. And so if you take France as an example, France by about July, I think it's July 12th or something around there, so early July, is going to choose 10 applications where they are going to start experimenting in terms of digital currencies. And they are going to look at how digital currencies affect interbank settlement issues. They are going to examine the advantages. They are going to examine how it impacts various kinds of financial stability outcomes. And if you also look at France as an example, France has not yet noted that they are going to only view blockchain as the underlying framework from a technology perspective in terms of its digital currency efforts. So if you compare France and China, and if you also examine other countries that are trying to work their ways through the European Central Bank issues, a lot of these countries recognize the value of digital currencies. A number of them have experiments and pilots. Where things are different from China is the following. China has the ability that almost no other country has in that its major IT providers and the major IT players are pretty heavily connected to the various government institutions. And so there is a high degree of alignment there. Whereas in other countries, you have different incentives playing out as these pilots are underway. And so that is where I think we are going to see a major difference, whereas we are going to learn a lot more from other countries, given their various approaches to innovation when it comes to uh, digital currency. Whereas in China, I think they have already decided how are they going to do it. Now it's just a question of how quickly can they do it. In many areas in China, the private sector has been playing less of a role and state-owned enterprises have been dominant. And so I wonder in this particular space, whether you think that the Chinese envision a role for the private sector. The I understand the Chinese government has forbidden initial coin offerings. Does that suggest that the Chinese do not envision a large role for the private sector? Actually, it is just the opposite. I think the private sector is going to play a pretty major role in terms of China's efforts. So, for example, if you look at Alibaba and Tencent, given just their reach across China, I think they are going to be the dominant players in terms of interfacing with the customers when it comes to digital currency. They are basically the two major companies that are in everybody's phone in China. And so they are going to play a major role. In addition, China has created a number of schemes to generate innovations around financial technology services. And so they are spurring the growth of new entrepreneurship around fintech that pretty much rivals anybody else's efforts around the world. And so if you combine those two, where you have the two largest technology firms and you have 
this layer of entrepreneurship around fintech that China is trying to in- incentivize, I think there is going to be a pretty major role for the private actor in terms of both issuance of the digital currency and the development of innovative services around digital currency. So if you think about the various platforms that are going to emerge, the apps, the uh, digital services around this new environment, almost all of that is going to come from the private sector in China. What industries will benefit from the launch of a Chinese national digital currency? So I think the two big ones, I mean, one of them we've already highlighted, that is the financial services industry, the banking industry, and obviously right after that is going to be the high technology industry. But in addition to those, I think another critical industry that's going to benefit is on smart urbanization, smart cities. And so China, over the last few years, has been running a number of experiments on how to make their urban areas much more smarter, more digital, more efficient, more personalized as it comes to delivery of services, so on and so forth. And I think you are going to see a lot of innovation and growth from an economic point of view in terms of things like transport, public services, so on and so forth, that are all geared to designing the next generation of smart urban areas. So those are going to be the three kind of big industries. Obviously, the retail sector is going to be transformed given that they have to interface with this new currency. However, the retail sector in China is already pretty much cashless. And so that's going to be a a lower impact compared to the other three. As the Chinese try to come out of the slowdown in their economy because of the pandemic, how will they think about the risks associated with launching a national digital currency? Are they going to be concerned about any instability in the financial system? Are they going to be concerned about inflation? How will this, you know, sort of the backdrop of the economic slowdown affect how they see these risks? I think as it pertains to the digital currency, there's no real impact in terms of monetary policy or economic policy, given that it's pretty much same as a central bank issuing money in circulation. And so I don't see a significant impact from the economic policy or the monetary policy. That said, given how advanced China is already in terms of the cashless retail, so on and so forth, and also the apps that individuals use, the current slowdown, I think, may actually generate more innovation around this and may actually generate more pilots, but I don't see a major slowdown in this effort. And I don't think the Chinese central bank and so on see any major risk. 
So then could the rollout of this national digital currency plan actually be part of a stimulus that the Chinese are going to use as they try to come out of COVID-19? So could there be potential advantages to accelerating their plan? Absolutely. And so this is, in my estimate, this is exactly the kind of acceleration rationale that they are probably using. This is where the number one is given the current crisis. You have two things playing out. You have the internal infrastructure, internal services, internal economy, where the move to digital addresses quite a few of the issues in terms of health, in terms of accelerating transactions, so on and so forth. But then you also have the flip side where the quicker they are able to ramp up the digital currency effort, this is absolutely going to help them more try to advance the cause of internationalizing the RMB. And so you have these two things kind of at play. And so to me, the current COVID pandemic is absolutely an accelerator for them given the internal dynamics, but also given that they do have a chance to actually use it to internationalize the RMB. We've been talking with Dr. Kevin D'Souza, who's a professor of business technology and strategy in the School of Management at the Queensland University of Technology Business School, also a non-resident senior fellow at Brookings and a Distinguished Research Fellow at Jiao Tong University in, uh, in Shanghai. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Kevin. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this special episode of the China Power Podcast. We'll be releasing new episodes under a new director in a few weeks, so please stay with us. We appreciate your support. rise has captivated and vexed the international community. From security and the environment to trade and human rights, Beijing is reaching far beyond its borders and its impacts are being felt across the globe. I'm Bonnie Glazer, director of the German Marshall Fund's Asia program and host of the new podcast, China Global. As China continues to chart its global ambitions, I'll be exploring different facets of its foreign policy choices and what they mean for the rest of the world, with a cast of top international experts and policymakers. In my first episode, which will be posted soon, I speak with Professor Xiang Lanxin about Chinese views of Europe. And in the next episode, I'll talk to Ivana Karaskova about vaccine diplomacy. China Global will air every other week. Listen and subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join the conversation on Twitter with at GMF Asia.